We're excited about this series that we've been in. It's been a journey called This Is Us. Feels like we've been in it for about 12 weeks, but uh, the descriptions of what we did leading up to what we call our core values started way back in, I guess, probably 1st of March, maybe somewhere mid-February. And the descriptions of what we do to try to build who we are and describe what specifically makes us the fellowship are done in our core values. These values were modeled in the ministry that Jesus set up and fulfilled in the New Testament. And it's who we are today. We value treating everyone as insiders so that they can become us. We value Bible-centered message, being biblically centered for the basis of who we are. We value life change. Life change, the gospel that's making us better and new. Strategically multiply. We value that in the vision of who we are that extends way past us. We value plurality and leadership that offers the best of who we are. Today, we talk about serving together. We value serving together. As I began to think about this value a few weeks ago, Justin and I sat down and talked through descriptions and what, what makes this value important to us in a New Testament church, in our family, in our business, in our neighborhood, in our schools. What is it about this that makes this special to us? We're going to touch on three parts of it today that I want to make point of. But I couldn't help. Justin and I talked quite a bit about Mother's Day. To deliver this on Mother's Day, you can't help but go back and think, in my life, I can't help but think it, to go back in my mom serving our family. Day in and day out serving our family. My, my dad traveled quite a bit with Lifeway then the Baptist Sunday School Board in youth ministry. And he was gone a lot. My mom served three boys and a girl. We were perfect children. <laughs> wow. No, I'm sorry. I, I can't say that. We were not perfect children. But my mom served us faithfully. And I thank God for my mom today. Hopefully you have a mom that is a servant in your family. I, I'm married to one who is a servant to our family, and I pray that you have one as well. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I can't, I can't pass that up. Relationships are important to Jesus. Now, there, we could pick out a couple of dozen places in Scripture that this was a value to the ministry of Jesus. We're going to touch on basically one chapter, two different instances that are important in the life 
and ministry of Jesus as he was bringing it forward. Relationships are just important. He, Jesus had 12 that he chose that followed him. He trained. He sent out. He actually had another three who were an inner circle of the closest of those that would come together and sweat bullets and pray for the ministry that others were going out to fulfill. Serving together. Doing ministry together. Not having things done for me, but doing it with someone else. We do ministry together. That I join arm in arm with someone else. That applies to events. That applies to going uh, to deliver food to schools. Cleaning up in Mount Juliet together. Teaching our children. Ministering in the name of Jesus anywhere in our community. It's not simply enough just to do it by myself. Scripture teaches that we do it together. So turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verse 7. He summoned the twelve and began to send out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, you when you leave there, shake dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. There's three points that I want to make today, two in this verse, and then we're going to jump over to another part of um, chapter 6 that I want to make point of today. Jesus emphasized the relationships back and forth. He always valued people. It was always about people. These 12, he, in verse 7, he sent out in pairs to do ministry. Didn't single out, sent them in pairs. One for encouragement, probably. One for the value of avoiding discouragement. Another one to witness what might happen and what they were praying to happen in the lives of people. The value of understanding each other. He gave them authority over darkness. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. You would have someone with you to do ministry, to encourage you, and not face the discouragement that might be in your path. God often uses someone in your life, maybe close to you, that you would need an encouragement to move forward in ministry. Number two, Jesus de-emphasized resources. Now, he did not devalue resources. He didn't do that. He de-emphasized it. Because what he emphasized in the next statement, don't take anything with you. 
probably had more to do with who gets the credit when the miraculous happens. It's not that we, we had enough money. It's not that we had enough plan. It's not that we thought far enough ahead. It had to do with devaluing or de-emphasizing the resources available. Don't take anything with you. Don't even take an extra shirt. I'm going to meet all of your needs, Jesus said. They took nothing with them. They left. All of their dependence was on God to do the work of ministry. In Matthew 18, 20, a familiar, a familiar passage. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them, valuing the relationship. They wanted a hands-on ministry. The things that they were beginning to do as Jesus was setting up his ministry was hands-on. It was not throwing money at the problem. It was the people taking <clears throat> the solution to the problem. The solution was Jesus. Jesus every time. When they were persecuted, <clears throat> creativity came out. Oftentimes, they didn't have the plan. It just began to unfold. And these scriptures that we just read, setting up to a time when they were tired, when they were um, hungry, probably short-sighted, they came together and Jesus recognized this and said that they needed to move on to get away from people and get by themselves and to rest and to build. So jump over to uh, verse 30. Verse 30 starts a familiar passage of feeding of the 5,000, probably around 10,000 to 12,000 because the count then was the head of households. So it was probably many more, but for the sake of the story, biblically, it's the 5,000. Apostles were gathered around Jesus and reported to them that they had done and taught. They had run out demons. They were amazed. They even said to Jesus that they were amazed that they had power over the demons. Jesus reminded them that it's not them that's the power. It's God that's the power in them. And the demons feared. Jesus said to come away by yourselves in a remote place and rest for a while. For all the people were coming and going and it was causing commotion. It was time to eat and rest. So they got into a boat and they wandered off. People saw them. I'm paraphrasing. People saw them leave. So they began to follow them. Crowds of people. They saw the boat going over this way and they were following around the shore. And when they arrived, Jesus taught them. They were tired. They were hungry. Not just the disciples, but the people themselves. Scripture teaches that when they found themselves, uh, Jesus said, you're hungry. They're hungry. The disciples complained and said, it's late. We don't have any money. We don't have any food. We, we, what are we going to do? Let's let them go into the, into the marketplaces and villages and let them eat. But instead, Jesus said, no. 
Well, that's paraphrase. That's my paraphrase. Jesus said, wait. Break them up into hundreds and fifties. And gather them all up so chaos doesn't ensue. And we'll feed the people. Gather up all the food you have. Well, the story goes, many of you know, they gathered the food together. There was how many fish? Two. How many loaves? Five. So they got it together. I'm sure the disciples are looking at it like, okay, now, now what do we do? <laughs> and Jesus said, don't miss this. You feed them. He didn't say, I'm going to feed them. He said, now you feed them. Point number three. Think, remember, the miraculous, not the logical. You feed them, was Jesus' response. The disciples were like, what? We have no money, we have no food. All the complaining ensued. Jesus said, how short memory you have. You were just coming back talking about all the demons and all the, all the things that you ran off that were miraculous. And all of a sudden, you can't think about what God can do through you. The last time I sent you out, Jesus said, I sent you out with no resources and you came back in amazement. The same is true now. All you have was faith in God before. And you still need the faith in God. The presence of my spirit is what you need. Now, a point to, to make here. There is order. Philosophy-wise, in this scripture... Jesus is teaching, engage your mind, partly in a word of creativity. Engage your mind. The second part is, engage your faith. You can't do one without the other because you leave the other behind. So if you engage your faith and you, you engage your mind, look at what begins to happen. There's no chaos. The second is, the presence of hunger was met and not just met, when the miraculous began to happen after everybody's fed, they gathered up all the food, and how much did they have left over? Twelve baskets of food. Now, if you were there by yourself, you would not be able to witness the miraculous. But when they were together, they witnessed the miraculous. Scripture teaches in several of the Gospels that... The disciples looked at that and they were like, in total amazement. How could this happen? The short-sightedness of disciples was present. They didn't know, because this is early in ministry. This is early in the ministry of Jesus. Several miracles had happened, but some of them had not. Most of them had not. So part of it was the, uh, the disciples looking at at Jesus, like, I didn't know what you meant when you said go feed them. The miraculous happened, and I'm sure they're sitting around talking about it among themselves. They had more than they could eat. Logical approach to ministry. 
does not supersede the miraculous. Where do we get the food? And how do we pay for it? How do we do we need to hurry and buy some to pass it out? And Jesus eliminated it all, took what he needed, and made a miracle. How is it that we so quickly lose faith and trust in Jesus? Um, do we not believe today that Jesus can still push back the darkness? Do we believe today that together we can overcome something that's bigger than any one of us? It's because of Jesus in our lives. The thread is God working in you. Now, over and over again in Scripture, and we could be here for hours on end, talking about the things that God did through people. And whether they took credit for it or gave God credit for it was irrelevant to the point. God did some amazing things through people. But they did it together. God promises that he will take care of us. That he'll feed the birds of the air. He talks about clothing. He talks about seek first the kingdom of God. The tidbits and the cliches that have become part of who we are in our fabric of our Christian walk and our faith. That's who we are at the fellowship. We expect the miraculous. We expect the miracles. We expect to do it together, arm in arm. That's what we do at the fellowship. It's at the core of our fabric. We serve together. We go around the world serving together. But that doesn't happen unless it happens here at home first. It starts in our families. It starts in our family in these walls, in our church family. Discipleship, learning, walking it's the journey of spiritual faith that we live out together. Jesus gave us the going strategy. We have that. That's the evangelism of the world. That we start in Jerusalem to Judea, then to Samaria and the other, other ends of the earth. We have the plan for that, of moving out from the center. But if the center is not functioning well then the going out doesn't function well either that's the journey together who in your life group needs you this week who in your life group needs prayer for you to come alongside them and encourage them who at work needs your encouragement Maybe even two or three people are praying for something to happen. Are you giving them reports of what's happened in the ministry to that person? When we go out and we do things in the community, talk about the amazing thing that God does and is doing in your life. The church is not just the institution. The church is the people. The church is not this building. It's not the lights. It's not the doors. It's not the seats that pop when you sit down. It's not, 
It's the people. The people of God. You see, the church needs investors, contributors, doers. The church does not need critics, noticers, observers. This isn't a game that you sit in in the stands and watch the players on the field. This is where everybody's in the game together. And the person watching is Jesus. He's the audience. Even when we're, we're in here in worship together, in corporate worship, I love corporate worship, souls and minds coming together that we pour out our hearts to God. It's not for each other. God is the audience. We're the actors. We're the person that he's watching. We're doing it together. Arm in arm. So how do we wrap this up? How do we, how do we put application to serving together? That we don't just do things alone. We don't expect others to do things for us. We do it together. Number one, do you have faith that God will give you what you need to do the work of ministry? Are you a steward of what God's given you? To place your obedience into God and what He's calling you to do. Number two, God expects us to work together. How willing are you to work with others? To join arms. Number three, to value your brothers and sisters in this room right now as a witness, an encourager. Two are better than one. This is about getting involved in the work of God around us. Not watch, but to join Him. Number four, don't put your faith in resources and stuff. Too many times we throw money at the problem instead of putting God at the problem. And last, do not always think about the logical. Think the miraculous. Think the miraculous. We're going to pray together in just a minute. And I want you to feel the freedom to respond during this next song the way you feel like God is leading you. This is not about the person next to us. It's about you and God. The next part of this, it is about the person next to us because we need to join arm in arm. Who needs us today or this week? This response song is a part of that. We have prayer warriors on both sides of the worship center. There's someone that you can go to and they can pray with you about something. There's communion on both sides that you can go and share communion. You can go individually, you can go as a family, you can go as a life group, you can do it however you want to. The freedom for you to respond to what God is leading you in. What a great day to make a profession of your faith.
in Christ on Mother's Day. A, a day when we have parent-child dedication, we have baptisms, witnessing God's movement in the lives of these students and children. It's not just for children. Jesus is for every single person that breathes. It's not an age limit. Oftentimes our pride gets in the way and we're unable to see what God's leading us to do. That's our prayer that the scales come off our eyes and we can see clearly.